Hello, I'm Chris Kreitcho, and this is the New Rust Station podcast, a show about learning the Rust programming language. This is bonus episode three, Building as a Community. Normal episodes are 15 to 20 minutes long, but bonus episodes like this one are a bit shorter. As for why I'm recording this particular episode, well, I took a one-week-long 8 to 5 everyday class three weeks ago, then started a new job two weeks ago, which included getting trapped in New York City by a -a once-a-century blizzard. So I have not had time to put together quite as technical a discussion as usual. But as it turns out, today's topic, community, is just as important for whether Rust succeeds in the long term as some of the technical details we talk about week in and week out. In fact, it might be even more important than many of those technical details. Let's start with a story. When I started learning to program back in college, I was learning Fortran because I was in the physics department, and that was what my professors knew. I went looking for help online, as one does when trying to figure out something new, and what I found was not pretty. In fact, it was so not pretty that it entirely turned me off from asking for help in the kinds of things I was trying to solve for quite some time. I went looking for help using the Fortran compiler, GFortran, which is part of the GNU suite of compiler tools, part of GCC, basically. Compilers are complicated, and compiling Fortran is a bit esoteric if you haven't done it before. And what I found was a lot of grumpy forum posts, which mostly ran the line, read the effing manual. If you're new and you're trying to figure out the manual, typing man g fortran isn't especially helpful, as you'll know if you've ever done that. There's plenty of good information in there, but most of it depends on understanding a great many other things. And when you go looking for help initially, when you are trying to understand the very basics of how to compile a program for the first time, hearing go read the manual, just type man g fortran, idiot, is something of a turnoff. I came away with a pretty bad taste in my mouth for G4Tran and, for that matter, GCC and GDB and the entire GNU community because of that experience. Learning Fortran was much harder than it needed to be because I couldn't find good resources online that actually explained how to do things, and the people I found online also didn't want to explain how to do things. All they wanted to do was inflict upon me the same pain they had experienced when learning themselves. Not a good experience. But let me tell you another story. This is the story of showing up and trying to learn Rust. I had had my eyes on the Rust programming language off and on over the last few years, and I had bumped into it once late in 2014 during the run-up to the 1.0 release, and I thought it looked interesting. But it didn't really catch my attention until I was looking around for a cross-platform development language that would be performant, and which I could embed alongside Swift or C-sharp or whatever else for dealing with cross-platform native performant code. And What I found when I came looking at Rust was a community that was essentially the opposite of what I had found when I went looking to learn Fortran all those years ago. I found people who were friendly and inviting, who were perfectly happy to walk people through even basics. If you didn't know how to get things set up in your terminal, well, I saw people 
handling exactly those kinds of things in the IRC channels. All the way along, the Rust community has been welcoming and inviting. I have heard nothing but good about it, in fact, from basically everyone I've seen online. That's refreshing, and it means that learning Rust, even when it's a bit beyond your comfort level, is doable. It feels doable, because you're not sitting there wondering, how am I ever going to learn this basically by myself? And for that matter, why do I have to? That question, why do I have to learn this by myself, is unfortunately one that usually only has one answer. Because I did, so you should deal with the same thing. Instead of, oh, you don't have to learn that by yourself, here, let me help you. Now, I'm sure there are plenty of people out there who would have been happy to help me learn Fortran, and would have been happy to help me learn the compiler chain, but I didn't run into any of them. And by contrast, I'm sure there are a few grumpy curmudgeons in in the Rust community who mostly just want to growl and grump at anyone who comes asking for help. But I haven't run into any of them either. The shape your community takes matters. And so one of the most important things you can do if you want your language or your tool or your platform to be widely adopted is build a healthy community. It matters. Even when you're building something as big as a programming language, in fact, even when you're building something as big as an operating system, Linus Torvalds, the grumpy genius behind Linux, is famously curmudgeonly. He is known to insult people regularly and frequently. And I would argue that is actually to the fairly great detriment of the Linux project. Sure, the Linux kernel people can say, well, look at all these things we still get done. Clearly, it's not hurting us. And to that, I'm inclined to say, actually, you have no idea how many people you're losing out on, how many people's expertise and insight you're not getting because you're a bunch of jerks to so many people. Getting something wrong, making a mistake, is not an excuse for anyone to learn there, but rather an excuse to get yelled at. By contrast, in communities that don't have that mentality, people are able to learn and flourish and grow, and are able then to contribute meaningfully and more and more meaningfully over time. You don't have to be an expert to be able to improve something. And in fact, and this is one of the great weaknesses of communities like the Linux kernel community, one of the great pain points that something like the Linux kernel or Git or other things that have come out of that community have is their difficulty for newcomers to get up to speed with. And an unwillingness to grapple with that, an unwillingness to recognize that you have unnecessarily put pain points before beginners keeps your tool from being better for everyone. So that leads us to the second point. Building as a community and not just building a community is important. We want to build tools that are reflective of the broader needs of our community. And that means thinking about our user interface. And your user interface might include a command line interface. It might only be a command line interface. But thinking about how it affects new people matters. Is your API well documented in this library you're publishing? And if it's not, are you happy to take on contributions from people who may not know what they're doing as much, but are trying to use it and don't know what's going on? Or do you insult them? One of these is better both for the community and for your tool. This is in fact true of any project you want to see succeed, whether it's your own or another one. And that leads us to the last point in this little bonus episode. Open source projects, like the Rust programming language, but also like many of the libraries and tools that are out there for the Rust programming language, need help. 
these are big projects with a lot of things to do and only a limited number of people working on them and only a limited amount of time, therefore, available to fix those many things. Whether that's a typo in the documentation that you spotted and everyone else has missed, or a bug in a compiler or a library or whatever you're dealing with. Each of those things needs help. And if we are going to succeed as a community in making Rust into a top-flight language, which I very much believe it has the potential to be because it's an excellent language, then we need to make sure we continue to do what we have done so far. Building a good community and then building together as a community, building better tools, building better libraries, and being willing to accept the help that others offer, whatever their background and whatever their skill level, and encouraging that and building it so that the community continues to flourish and continues to be a place where people can grow, as well as a community that grows the language and the tools around it. A simple takeaway, you'd be surprised how much open source projects like this really do need you specifically to contribute to them. When you run into that bug, you're actually probably the best qualified of nearly anyone to go help trace it down and find out what causes it and maybe even fix it. Because if you see the problem, you know what the pain point is, and that's valuable information. Even if you can't fix it yourself, your feedback might make all the difference. So ask around. Look at lists of issues, and even if an issue marked easy in some list of issues on GitHub looks too daunting for you, give it a go anyway. Find a project that looks interesting or useful and offer to help, and what you'll find, because Rust does have a good community, is that for the most part, people will help you learn what you need to know to solve that problem. And the result will be that you will grow, the project itself will be in better shape, and that's a win for everyone. It's a win for that project, a win for you personally, a win for the maintainer of that project, and a win for the community as a whole. So let's keep doing it. Let's keep building our community and let's keep building as a community. And if you're just an outsider watching Rust, see what you can do in your own community. It'll pay off. It'll pay off a lot. Next time, we're going to go in for a high-level, but I think incredibly important discussion about type systems, both type systems in general and the type system specifically in Rust. Because Rust's type system is such a big part of what makes it interesting, and it's one of a few things that strongly distinguishes it from languages like C or Java, I think it'll be fun and interesting to talk about that in more detail. And as usual, I'll be using it to teach myself a lot more about type systems in general. I want to say thanks again to Hamza Sheikh and Chris Palmer for sponsoring the show this month, and you can check out the list of other sponsors in the show notes. If you'd like to sponsor the show, you can set up recurring contributions at patreon.com slash neurostation or a one-off contribution at Venmo, Dwalla, or Cash.me. You can find links to those as well as show notes for previous episodes at neurostation.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at neurostation or you can follow me there at Chris Kreitcho. And if you like the show, I'd love it if you rated it on iTunes, recommended it in another podcast app directory, or just told a friend about it, tweet about it, share it on Facebook, let other people know about it. That helps other people find the show, and that helps us build this community. If you have thoughts or ideas for the show, I'd love to hear from you. Say hi on social media, add your thoughts in the thread for the episode on the Rust user forum at users.rust-lang.org, or shoot me an email at hello at newruststation.com. Until next time, happy coding.